everybody's just like repeating the same stuff. They're not looking at what exactly is everybody else doing and let me try and do something different. It's more of a case of let me just add on top of whatever is actually there. So I think um, I'm reminded like with the grocery apps, surely enough, probably most of them will die and there will only be like one or two competitors. Welcome to the Mass Starts Up podcast. My name is Michelle Mudar. This is a podcast for Africa's opportunity seekers, problem solvers, future shapers, world builders, and entrepreneurs. This podcast is meant to be a platform to encourage, empower, and educate young people in Africa on entrepreneurship, startups, and business. This episode is really focused on e-commerce trends, um, the things that small businesses are doing to get online, and also just the food delivery and grocery delivery industry as it exists in South Africa right now. Um, I thought this was a really, really great and engaging conversation with some really intelligent guys um, in Ubebele Kopo as well as Dali Sundomo. One being a super, super um, smart guy in terms of the startup and ecosystem landscape, but the other being an e-commerce um, entrepreneur himself and achieving really amazing things um, in this space as well. Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you feel so inclined, please share. Um, it's really, really great when you have way more people's voices to contribute to this conversation and really, really learn as much as possible together. Thank you so much for listening. Good. Cool. That sounds good. Um, thank you guys so much for agreeing to do a podcast at 11 p.m. Um, on a Monday night. Um, you could be sleeping, you could be doing, you know, other things like just living your life. Um, but you've decided to indulge my madness. And the thing that caught me up, um, was really around trying to, um, push envelopes. Like, I feel like we are living in a world of extremes right now, right? So you've got, um, Joe Rogan, for example, getting a hundred million for a podcast. You've got, um, e-commerce platforms starting up at a insane rate. Um, you've got just... It's, it's a world of numbers and all the all of them seem extreme. But none more extreme than just like how crazy e-commerce has gotten over the last few weeks. And just the explosion of people just going, you know what? Maybe shopping online is so bad. Isn't so bad. And then also from businesses going, you know what? Maybe uh, I should have an online store or something like that. Um, what have you, have you guys seen over the last few weeks in terms of e-commerce that's really like shocked you or impressed you or just really taking you aback? Hmm. Um, interesting. I suppose. For me, I'm shocked at... Okay, yeah, you go first. At, oh, man, this is terrible. Like, this podcast is going to start with Zoom, <laughs> Zoom, Zoom tactics with... Oh, you go first. You go. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Okay. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I don't know. Dali, go oh, first. Okay. It is, it is 11 o'clock at night. Cool, cool, cool. So I think it was just the interesting stat by Toby. But again, we have to just relate the, the context to him being in Canada. Quite a lot of the, the business, I presume, also happening in the U.S., which he tweeted. This was on the 7th of May which uh, reads, while about 70% of retail sales disappeared at the beginning of this crisis, businesses that already have since replaced 94% of the lost sales through online channel, the ones that were not really left a massive vacuum of opportunities for their competitors. 
And yeah, I think that's just what we can see with e-commerce as a whole. And I think it's also the same case even on our side where there was quite um, a decline, which was like zero for close to a whole month. It's not to say that we couldn't have taken orders and stuff like that, but it's just that we also rely on the China supply chain. And if we can't bring in products, we can't be collecting money and expecting that all of a sudden the stuff appears when it actually doesn't appear like a few months down the line. But yeah, that's pretty much just my take. And I think also the, the odd, oddness of people wanting to start marketplaces and a whole lot of courier companies as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know you like, um, I mean, you wrote an article or published an article today around marketplaces um, and what they are, what they should be or what they shouldn't be. Um, what are your, what are your, what was really the synopsis of that article really? Well, like, I really wanted to understand the craze around um, people wanted, wanting to create marketplaces and it's it's well number one it's centered around it's it's easy to start one right like you can syndicate a couple of people to say hey man um let's say let's say you want to do an e-commerce marketplace like a multi-vendor marketplace to say hey can we put up a storefront to get a couple of vendors who will sell their products through this marketplace to whoever's on the other side right that's the problem whoever's on the other side what happens now is that it's easier it's easy for you to say hey man come on this come on this marketplace and then we'll try we'll try move your your products but to actually do it is very very difficult right it it seems like it's it's non labor intensive for somebody to actually do it because they don't carry the cost of having that inventory on their books they can just take a cut with each sale right it's the idea around it, I, I, I can I can understand the enticing um, idea around it. Um, marketplaces can also be compared to social media networks, right? Um, they have the same dynamics in terms of um, what you call network effects, meaning that the value of the platform is enhanced with each user going forward, right? So the more users you get onto the platform, the more valuable your platform is, the more money you can generate, right? That's that's the premise or the idea around network effects. And network effects with marketplaces are similar to network effects with, uh, with consumer social, uh, like social media ne- networks. Like, but but around, around the idea of, like, for the last 10 years, no marketplace has ever turned a profit. Right? Think about Uber. Uber is the, essentially the biggest, quote-unquote, supply de- supply-driven marketplace in, in the world, but they've never turned a, po- a profit ever, right? At scale, it's a, even, even, even at a, like a minuscule part, it's a, it's a zero-sum game. So it's, it's like if Amazon had a serious competitor, would they be able to do what they're doing? Not really, right? So it's a zero-sum game, and I don't, know, I don't think people truly understand um, what it means to actually... Um, like start grow, starting grow a marketplace. I personally don't because I have I haven't tried it. But if you look at the dynamics of of how marketplaces function, you you would understand that it's at it, at the core it's a great business, but at the unit level it's terrible, right? Because you 
you'll be fighting copycats left, right, and center, and you'll be trying to find um, customers wherever you can. And that is not really, really a good way to actually build a sustainable business. And the thing is, like, I keep seeing them pop up, right? So I think I've seen four different marketplaces pop up in South Africa where people are going, you know, um, small businesses can't afford to get online. So you know what? We're going to help small businesses by taking their products and putting them on our marketplace. And then we try and um, build out this, you know, really massive store rather than just every business having their own store. And people have been speaking about how different um, that models can be, right? So you can have that sort of marketplace thinking or you can have that everyone needs to build their own store as their own channel and sort of um, build that out individually as a business, right? And <clears throat> which 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 model would you say you advocate more for, right? So which one actually offers the best and biggest wins for the small businesses that actually need it, right? So is it about getting your, your, your product onto a platform, whatever platform it is, and hoping that it works? Or is it about owning the platform that you're actually selling on and being able to manage your control, um, the channel yourself as well? Um, either one of you guys can answer that. Well, let me go, right? Let's, let's, let's start at the core, right? If, if you choose to do this, right? I think, I think the biggest gap currently is uh, food delivery. Um, even though, you know, if you read the DoorDash uh, article, <laughs> you'll, you'll find out that <laughs> it, it, is, it is a nightmare of a business. But a lot of restaurants don't have means to get their food to their customers um, in this current environment. And, that, and, and that's why, like, the, the, the biggest thing that I like about it is that um, the township economy of, hey, man, let's get, a, let's get a group of guys with bicycles who are able to do this. Right, that's that's creating jobs. That's creating, um, that's creating um, income within the community, which will be hopefully hey, recycled Ubele, into the community. Sorry to interrupt. Would you be able yeah. to just expand on the DoorDash pizza arbitrage? Okay. Yes, that would be okay. really it's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy called um, Ray John Ray, right? He has a friend who owns a, a pizza a pizza a pizza shop in. In New York, right? So what happens is that DoorDash kept on like um, asking him to list his uh, pizza shop onto onto the platform, and he didn't want to because he he thought his pizza is high end. He doesn't want people to eat cold pizza. So what DoorDash did, he scraped his website and on Google. So when anybody calls in or calls in to his pizza place, the call gets diverted to a call center agent. Um, one of DoorDash's call center agents, they take the they take the order and they go buy the pizza at uh, at that guy's restaurant and then they deliver it to the customer. But now the problem was that the guy's pizza costs about twenty four dollars, right? And DoorDash was listing the price of the pizza for sixteen <laughs> for sixteen dollars. So they were they were literally losing eight dollars per order, right? Which over a span of a year, they spent approximately nine hundred. They 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 spent nine hundred. Uh, the, the the revenue was nine hundred million, but they still lost four hundred and fifty million. <laughs> <laughs> so, like literally, for every rand, you're literally only getting fifty percent of that back, right? 
exactly and, yeah. and that's not like so, a return that's literally a, a loss it's it's not like i'm getting like one rand and 50 cents it's I, I give you one rand like, and you only just give me 50 cents back. That's like yeah. the worst deal. So, you, <laughs> <laughs> so you're selling one rand for 50 cents. <laughs> and and uh, for, some, is, for some reason, like you look at something like that and then you start thinking about something like, say, the economics and the numbers around Uber. Like this is something I've been obsessed with. And I keep asking people that are involved in sort of this industry, like, does it make sense? Because the other day, um, you know, usually um, for us, the Uber delivery, Uber Eats delivery guys come through with a bike. So you sort of go, oh, maybe, you know, the petrol is cheaper and sort of makes sense if you multiply um, how many deliveries they have to make um, and whatever. And then um, an interesting thing started happening because the Ubers are so restricted. The guys that were on sort of the car side, which was, you know, mainly driving people around, started moving towards the Uber Eats side, which is like, I'm just going to deliver pizzas or burgers or whatever with my car. And the economics can't possibly make sense when you're using a car. Yeah. Like, it's a different, yeah, completely different yeah, situation. Yeah, because on average, how much does it cost for an Uber ride? Like 60 Rand? Yeah. And then, and then if the driver is getting, what, 75% of that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good take rate. Now, the maximum... Or maximum delivery fee on a on an Uber Eats order is fifteen bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the driver is literally making what eleven eleven rand and twenty five cents. Uh, just to add per per each per each um, per each uh, delivery. That is just to add. That just doesn't add, make sense. It was actually quite interesting today. Yeah, sorry to say, I ordered Mac uh, not McDonald's KFC. What I noticed is that they were Why doing... Why are you saying sorry to say? Hey, I, I'm not too sure. Maybe people are all about that healthy lifestyle. I, I don't know. But remember is that I ordered KFC... Dali, when, when last did you go to <laughs> That is beside the point. Don't that apologize. That is beside the point. Don't okay, apologize but, but for that. Let's just get to the point of KFC. So the Uber driver came and he had within his bag uh, my order. But... In the same bag, he also had another order. And I asked him, like, so are you guys now, like, taking more than one order per trip? And he's like, yeah. So if, for instance, this guy is taking around, like, three orders at a time, then obviously you can net around 45. But then again, I think the unit economics, depending on where exactly he's positioned, might actually work out. Especially if it's just, like, up the road. Yeah, like, okay, stop, start, stop, start. You've pretty much made a, a decent gain. But... It makes no sense if, for example, you're going in one direction, drive another five kilometers in another direction. Time is money for me. I'm yeah. like, that's just a waste of my time. I, I think they're really reliant on the tips that guys actually give, um, in a sense. And I don't think Listen, people and, are, are conscious of wait. that, though. Like, I don't think pe- consumers are conscious, like, how bad the yeah, economics are. No, you don't care about that as long as you get your free lunch. Man, that's, that's, that doesn't interest you. <laughs> like, I think, I think I was reading today that Uber has about 150 something patents. 150 what? Patents. So, like, Damn. the technology. Okay. The technology stack has over 150 patents. So, uh, so I've been watching a lot of Travis Kalanick's videos over the past couple of days. So at the beginning, Uber had or still has like a, a full-on math department. Like literally, they call them the math department. 
all those guys do is that they find efficient ways for drivers to connect with consumers, right? Let's say, um, let's say, Mash, uh, we we need to anticipate your demand based on your 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 spend habits on Uber, right? So you used to go to you used to go to the office at um, at nine o'clock every 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 day from Monday to Thursday, and you didn't go on. Let's say you went on t- at ten o'clock on a Friday. So they they knew your purchase behavior of a ride to say, okay, um, if Mash does this, we need to have so many drivers in this particular area. But now that let's explode that to let's say hundreds of thousands of people matching with the hundreds of thousands of let's say ten thousand drivers. So they need they needed to anticipate um, or manage the supply side of the drivers to say, okay. We possibly need more drivers in Santon than Bramfontein, right? Let's find a way to get more drivers into Santon and away from Bramfontein. But that naturally happens because the drivers know that people are going to Santon and and vice versa, mm-hmm. right? So they have a whole entire department dedicated for that, and uh, and that department created what's called dynamic pricing within Uber, right? If if you haven't, if you have ever used Uber during uh, New Year's Eve, you'll know that they have a surge, right? And that dynamic prices kicks in um, automatically based on demand. It, like the techn- what I'm trying to get at is that the technology behind Uber is so 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 deep that people are just thinking now they can just create whatever they <laughs> want and try to deliver food and groceries to people based on the premise of the idea, not the underlying technology. And that's why you're getting these kerfuffles, if I can put it like that. Yeah. And, like, Dali, you've been you've been testing out, like, some of the grocery delivery guys, right? So um, I think you said you did... Which one was it? One cart? Right? One cart, yeah. Which one... Which other ones did you try out? Uh, I tried... Um, what's this... There's that other one. Okay, let me just check. So, Which, the Woolies one. Did okay, you try so Woolies? Woolies one? I tried. That was during like close to lockdown coming into play, and then um, okay. What? So there's one. The checkers. checkers one? I haven't tried sixty sixty yet, uh, or actually even Zulzi. Um The other one. So there's one. Oh, bottles. Bottles. The alcohol app. Oh, yeah. Bottles. So uh, right now it's been bottles. Um, one cart, which was a flop because they didn't deliver between two and four, even though I ordered the day prior to that, and I had to just cancel. It was five thirty. I was like, I'm not going to wait for groceries. And then um, <laughs> the other one was um, right now. Obviously, Zulzi. I placed an order. This is probably around like six, seven um, today p.m. and expecting to get delivery between ten and twelve. But so far. I think it was one of those tweets I was actually ranting about where it was like this whole delay of deliveries. And, you know, some people were like, it's because of the pandemics, because of the pandemic. I think it was obviously bad timing on my side, but I've ordered from like Incredible Connection and it's literally taken more than two weeks. And I'm like thinking I could have just gone to the shop, which is like a 10 minute drive. This is ridiculous. So (laughs) even like with the grocery deliveries, what frustrates me more is that fine, I'll pay. I get the stuff delivered. But I'll probably want to pay a bit more if guys can actually get the orders correct. What's also more irritating is that, fine, there's an option where they say, um, can we substitute or can we refund? Uh, the refund option was what I actually chose. 
but still there's things missing from the 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 delivery and i'm thinking if i'm going to be using this and things are still missing this is just going to be more frustrating i might as well just go straight to the shops right so i I think that's where my my angst is that as much as i'd love to actually use these services if things are being ordered incorrectly, and I think even the return um, pr- procedure, which is more frustrating compared to Uber and Uber Eats. Uber, Uber Eats, there's a mistake. You can complain. Generally, um, the reverse can happen in a matter of minutes. Just for context, one cart, I place this order. Now, for instance, for me to get my refund, I use my credit card. And now they want me to put in my banking details and it gets processed in one to two days. I'm like, this is just crazy. So <laughs> imagine if you bought a month's worth of groceries, it would be kind of foolish to do that. But the mere fact is that I'm just trying to get to that yeah. point where you're using this technology thinking that it would be reliable. Because again, I, I assume that we're using technology to make our lives easier, not to stress ourselves in, in, in essence. Yeah. Because again, it's the same thing. When I place an order with like Uber or whatever, no, not Uber, Amazon, is that... It's, it's one of those funny things. I can place uh, an order with Amazon on Thursday and Friday, and the stuff can arrive. This is from the U.S. in South Africa on Monday or Tuesday. And this is on the condition that things are already cleared through customs, and this is using UPS. I place an order with someone yeah. um, locally, and the stuff can take like a week later to arrive. I'm like, this is ridiculous. How the heck can stuff that is so many thousands of kilometers away arrive sooner than the stuff that is just like, what, a few um, um, tens of kilometers away? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mechanical Turk behavior, right? So there's literally, like, I don't think the underlying technology works because when you look at, when you look at a three-sided marketplace, is that, now they're trying to connect you with the shopper who connects to the driver who connects to you. Like, can you think, think, think about that, right? You're trying to connect to a shopper on an app, right? So a driver has an app, you have an app. What Possibly the shopper app is connected to, to the driver mm-hmm. app as well and your app. So now... So you know, all of those things need to talk to each other for you to actually get a seamless operation. And currently, those things don't, right? And now, if the underlying technology doesn't work and the payment experience is also pretty crappy, like, you, you can't, like, it's, it's the same as if you, if you order via Mr. D. Mr. D's also payment stack is, is probably, is, is terrible because... If you if you if you cancel an order, it'll take about two three days to do it. But with Uber, they refund you, refund you the amount immediately, right? It's it's just I personally, I don't think I'll ever use these grocery delivery. Yeah. So apps. I'll, I'll be honest, like I'm a I'm I'm like watching you know the space. I'm like this is really interesting, but at the same time, I don't know, man. I don't think I have the <clears throat> the patience for it, right? So I think. Um, these delivery things really work when you're going, okay, what is the trade-off um, for spending a, a, a bit more than you would inside the store and getting way more convenience, right? So if I'm paying for Uber Eats delivery, for example, I know I'm not going to have to leave my apartment. It's going to cost me way more in terms of just my mental space and the effort. And now there's even the added element of danger, which is like, 
if you walk out of your house, it's going to be dangerous, <laughs> right? So yeah. now you've added that to the business model, which is like, oh, wow, this makes so much more sense, right? And you go, okay, in terms of risk, in terms of danger, in terms of uh, time and effort and inconvenience, I want a very seamless experience. I want to order, the person comes, I pay, everything's done, Right. But when there's that delay, where, where now I'm waiting five hours, where now I'm waiting a day, where I'm waiting five days, you've taken out the <laughs> You're hungry value. in the meantime. I'm hungry in the meantime. <laughs> like, if you had to wait, if you had to wait three days for Uber Eats delivery, would you still do it? Because that's the question we're really contending with now. It's like, they must keep it. Must keep it. <laughs> it's, um, it's this. No, nah, but it's, you know, it's, it's a bit ridiculous, though. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that, for example, you know, right now, I, I always have that thought in my mind is that you just don't want to over-engineer things, right? But I can see as to the use of, like, AR in this current situation is that the shopper has his AR glasses on, and now he's supposed to pick up your groceries. The gl- ex- and you can exactly. see everything But I'm just, like, thinking shopping. as in these yeah. um, shops can actually turn into, like, cloud kitchens of shops, which ends up just being a warehouse, of groceries that is literally yeah. it and you're like guys how is it so hard to pick things i said i think everybody knows how to grocery shop right how is it so hard to actually not hey. look at the list and tick off the things that you've actually picked properly i'm like this is just <laughs> dali dali I, I went i went shopping yeah. today right i thought about using one of these apps and i said no screw that let me get up let me go to the shop so I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet shopper, right? So I, I have everything on it, like a grocery list on a spreadsheet, and I go item by item. Uh, I have a preloaded formula, so it calculates the sum of, of everything. I forgot three items today. I literally <laughs> forgot three items. It's, it's so difficult. Like, I don't blame the shoppers. I forgot three Come items. Come on. They, they are paid <laughs> to actually do this job. As an I'd understand for you. Yeah, but they want to do as it as quickly as possible. They want to do it as quickly as possible. Because so also, yeah, I mean, the, the quicker they get to do it, the quicker they move on to the next order, the quicker uh, they the can have yeah. way more money as well. I, um, I fully okay. understand. I think we, we, we got lost on the grocery delivery uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> road. But just to go, pull back, right? So we're still talking around, around marketplaces and e-commerce and all of that. Mm. Um, I, I think we, were, we went deep into marketplaces, but not necessarily owning your own e-commerce platform. And, you know, we've been doing a project uh, with the Compass um, startup that we, we're working on, all three of us. And, um, you know, we're building stores for small businesses to help during lockdown because we saw this need, right? Small businesses needed to get online and we knew how we could possibly build it, um, build online presence, build online stores, get them transacting and be able to add the channel that can help them during this time, right? So it wasn't necessarily just we, you know, want to do, uh, do some sort of charity project. No, like this was an empowerment thing. This was, can we help a small business um, adapt themselves to the realities that exist right now? And through this process, I feel like we've learned a lot, right? So we've built four stores with four entrepreneurs with very uh, uh, varying results. Um, and like we've learned a lot as well. Um, I just want to go through like just if you have any thoughts, right, of the things we've learned. And I'll go first. Just the biggest thing I've learned through this process is just building the store is the first step, right? So building the store only just goes to an entrepreneur. Okay, so now you have a new channel. But 
Now you need to adapt your business for that channel. Because if you were very uh, focused on brick and mortar and you had that figured out and you understood what costs went into it, um, how to deliver value in that sort of way, when you now shift to an online environment and an online platform environment, you need to fundamentally shift your thinking. Um, obviously, it's still just you selling something and people buying it, but the way you deliver that thing, the way you package that thing, the way you get it to the consumer is very different. And also the way the transaction actually happens is different. And I'm realizing so much more that there needs to be a much higher and more deep um, education of entrepreneurs around what online actually means for a business and how uh, small businesses can use online to really grow themselves. I think there's, there's a massive uh, gap there where you know, a lot more incubators can come in and go, you know what, we're just going to specialize in helping small businesses compete in the online environment, in the digital environment. I think it's so crazy that you know, three, four months ago, the, the South African government and all these different departments went on a craze, just 4IR, 4IR, 4IR. But, you know, you go back to the fundamentals and no one was even online shopping. It's like so mm. wild for me. Yeah. It's like, wait, so we were talking about 4IR, but we hadn't even figured out online shopping. And you start to see it in the way the, op- the businesses just, you know, capitulated and just like were, were completely... Um, devastated by what happened and we're already talking about 4IR and it's like this this misallocation of focus misallocation of resources misallocation of education and like empowerment because you could have been focusing on really helping people understand um, what online is what it means how to navigate it and how also to start creating value and monetizing it as much as possible as well but yeah um, that's sort of my, my thinking it's just like there has to be such a fundamental shift in the way entrepreneurs and small businesses are educated about what online actually means for your business and how to navigate it and still deliver value. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you whatever you say. Uh, I, I think it's, it's true, like what um, uh, Mesh was talking about. And I think it even comes to the fundamentals like internet. Uh, internet in South Africa is still very expensive. Um, I, I know that people were crying about rain, hoping that there would be like some sunshine. Lame joke there, but the mere fact is that I think <laughs> I, I think people are getting the pain of like, for example, we're using rain. We're literally in a hostage situation because these guys are offering like the cheapest um, option, and you're thinking this is ridiculous. Then you've also got I think the the fear that people have when it comes to purchasing online. Um, to a large extent, we also see that even with the coronavirus situation where bosses still want to want to see butts and seats for whatever reason. As in, if I can see you, it mm. means that you're doing your job. So the same thing, if I've got the money, I, I can see that it's actually going into your hands and you're going to give me the product. When in actual fact, if you're looking at the safety of carrying money, it's less safe to actually carry money. The argument is that I think even when you talk of like the likes of Bitcoin and stuff like that, people be like, but if there's no internet, you can't transact Bitcoin. But it's the same thing even with cash right now. As in, if there's no internet, you can't even use your credit card or your, your check card or even your savings card. So I suppose you you have those arguments <laughs> that, of course, fine, you can carry money, but you're not going to carry like duffel bags of cash around. As in, those are the things that I think we, yeah. we just have to come into um, play with. And I think it's also... The assumption that things are just going to be easy. Um, I've heard a variety of excuses as to, for example, my business, I sell uh, VR and AR equipment just to give people context. 
And I've heard stories that, you know, if people can buy it off Amazon, then why the heck are you actually selling this stuff? And if, for instance, mm -hmm. um, you're selling this stuff, do you know why you're making money is because it's electronics. But I'm like, you could sell anything. As in, that's why, for example, uh, I think one of the, the things that we can even touch on is like alcohol. Alcohol is like one of the simplest things. But I've heard some people's numbers that they're turning over. And I'm like, what? It's like, it's, it's less than like <laughs> six figures. And it's not to say that they should be making more than that. But I'm like, it just seems strange. As in, this is something that everybody just drinks on a day-to-day -day basis. So, yeah, I, I think really people are just not putting in the effort to actually try and uh, look around for different ways. I think there's always the approach of I'm working hard, I'm working hard, but sometimes it might not be the case of working hard and working smart. Like, for example, um, Ubu Bele brought up the fact that he was watching Travis Kalanick videos, right? And you're learning from a right... I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't working... But the matter is that I think it, it comes down to the fact that, for example, I, I'm just throwing this out there, right? Is that George uh, from from Marvin Magazine, he was a one, one of the people who had not even entered in for the same uh, shop that we're building. It was just more, more of a case of like, this guy, when I spoke to him, he was keen on actually wanting to build an online store and he spoke to me initially and stuff like that. This guy has been pushing on social media. He even like asked us, like, hey, mm. um, can you guys support us in, in actually buying a wallet or anything off the website? I bought a wallet. I was like, hey, this guy is actually really pushing. And the myth is that you can see the yeah. sales coming through. As in, you can see that this guy is always pushing. He even wrote uh, an article to say, this is one of our, my biggest dreams of actually building a store or whatever. So you can see that a guy is hungry, even though he's just selling wallets, right? As yeah. in, that's what I'm just saying. As in, this guy is literally selling wallets. It's not like you need a new wallet every single day. But if this guy is milking it from wallets, I think uh, guys can literally look at other things that they can actually add to the bag. And I think um, the other thing is that... I, I don't know. I, I think I touched on the like this whole thing with the last mile and everything is that everybody's just like repeating the same stuff. They're not looking at what exactly is everybody else doing and let me try and do something different. It's more of a case of let me just add on top of whatever is actually there. So I think um, I'm reminded like with yeah. the grocery apps, surely enough, probably most of them will die and there will only be like one or two competitors. It'll be pretty much like what happened with Uber. As in, like for example, Uber, they're smart. As in, the, the thing why I even use Uber, and sometimes people talk of, oh, do you know Bolt is cheap or whatever? As in, I think one of the incentives as well is that, um, like, with being a Discovery member, you even get a discount when riding with Uber. And sometimes it even works out yeah. cheaper than Bolt. So I'm like, why the heck would I want to use Bolt? And the mere fact is that with Uber... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Dali, yeah. I mean, Bolt does sort of had, have a reputation for being... Uh, dangerous <laughs> i mean let's have that conversation right so it's not just i honestly i honestly have never downloaded box right and it's mainly because of brand and people just going dude you might die and i'm like okay no, i'm not no, willing listen, to listen. risk that no 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 guys before i touch on my my point you guys are speaking for a position right you, I'm sorry. You can you can, you can make any you can make any no, no, population. No, 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 but, but, but if I'm, someone tells you that you know what, dude, yeah. you might you know something might happen to you. No, okay, but if you go on on this service versus no, the other one, you you're trying to go. You know what? Mm, 
I'll, I'll pay the extra if no, I'm going to be safe. <laughs> no, but I understand with Ububele's point because like when you talk of like a point of privilege, right, is that I'm already with Discovery. So obviously I'm paying a little bit extra and obviously I'm getting those discounts. But, um, but yeah. the reality is that, for instance, there were so many other guys who came up wanting to have like an Uber for X and all these ride-sharing apps or whatever. I'm like, you know, how many apps are we going to have before there's only just like one person? As in... I, I highly doubt, like, for example, I think the argument with even billionaires and stuff like that, it might sound controversial, but I highly doubt that these guys are so dumb not to have actually been able to amass so much wealth, right? It's not like, for instance, these guys just, like, woke up one day and they're like, okay, um, I- I'll just become a billionaire without actually thinking things through. As in, I think that's obviously the government's yeah. duty where they actually have to enforce proper tax laws to actually try and get that money back. But uh, the reality is that, for instance, even with these same startups as well, is that how do you actually innovate? I think, obviously, Uber, uh, I'm even talking about Southeast Asia with Grab, has been because of the influence of SoftBank money. And unfortunately, so that just screwed up the whole uh, startup startup ecosystem. But, yeah, I I think it's, again, try something different. You Africa, I I don't know why exactly they call themselves You Africa, but the thing is that at least with You Africa, <laughs> they have provided the ability for you to have three couriers where I don't have to sign any paperwork and they made it seamless. I can get an order off my Shopify store. It goes through to You Africa. You I print out my Weibo and all is good. I even posted up a question about are there any other fulfillment centers apart from Parcel Ninja? It was quiet. I'm like, nothing. that is also an opportunity. I think um, if anybody had watched Shopify Reunite, just to give context, Reunite is just a redo of the Unite conference that Shopify has annually in Toronto. So this time they actually just had it online and called it Reunite. But they had the Shopify Performance Center. And literally, it is where small businesses can actually send their stock and get it fulfilled from those centers without having to worry. I think that was, I think the one thing that I even realized with the store builds is that quite a lot of people aren't actually at home most of the time. They would prefer that, for instance, there's a way for them to actually have the stock picked up and taken. And I can understand why people would prefer like Aramex. I can just go to an Aramex uh, box and drop the parcel in, even though it might cost me 30 bucks extra compared. I don't don't need to have a printer to print out a label. I can just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I think there's no harm in actually trying this stuff again. But let's not re uh, reinvent the wheel. As in, I think there's so many people doing whatever is actually out there. Try and see as in how you can innovate. Uh, with the one guy who was obviously using bicycles, that's a, a reinvention. When I even brought up e-bikes, right? It was on the basis that, for instance, now you don't even have to put in that much effort when you're cycling, right? As in, those are things that you can already spark. Yeah. Um, an interest in actually seeing. As in, I was obviously not talking about child labor, but the myth is that uh, a kid, a kid in a neighborhood, <laughs> can get his bike, can Tom Sawyer his friends, and actually do grocery deliveries cheaper than the, these guys have. And I presume they'll actually have the incentive of actually getting the things correct. It it, it doesn't sound that yeah. hard, but yeah, as in, it just sounds so crazy that guys really want to just make our lives frustrating. As in, I think also the unique economics of guys wanting to go into like VC like um, companies, but they just don't have the acumen, which I'm hoping things do improve. As in, that's just my biggest hope for these same startups. But it's actually quite frustrating when you're a beta oh. tester for all of the same stuff. <laughs> you're a beta tester for all of these. What a rant. What a rant. <laughs> well, I like I don't know what to say, but but on my point in terms of okay, what was what I what I saw in all this process is that 
I think I think building the store is the last thing and not the first mm, one. Yeah. Right, let me explain things right. Because if if you don't have if you don't have people to sell to, you, having a store means absolutely nothing, right? You, you just have <laughs> you might as well have a painting on your wall, right? No, nobody's gonna buy anything if you don't understand who the customer is and who your customer, who you're targeting, right? If you're not if you're not willing to talk to the people that you're selling your stuff to, you know, it's gonna be a hard transition to to mm. to online, right? Even if you had a physical store, do do your customers in that current capacity um, have the means to transition with you to the to to your online mm-hmm. store? You understand. So the store, yes, building a store is the easiest part, but it's the last one, not the first one, right? You need to have a customer base, right? You need to have you know you need to have means to connect to your, your customer. Like my 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 mom, my mom my mom is very is quite tech savvy, right? She can handle. A, computer, laptop, a phone, but she's not buying anything online. No ways. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> she, she's not there. She probably won't be there, right? So it's understanding that is your customer on a transition with you to the online basis? If not, okay, how do you generate new customers in the meantime before even thinking about having an online store? So I think people need to understand or even, yeah, People need to understand that you know, your customers in this situation um, come first, right? So the best means to actually connect with the customer and be able to sell to them, right? To use that first, right? I saw a lot of people using WhatsApp. Great channel, right? Can you move those WhatsApp customers online? Try that, right? Before you can even, you know, even think about it. Just say, hey, guys, um, even like... Even, even even have a, like a mailing list, right? Put up a mailing list, get people to give you your emails and the details. Just say, hey man, we're trying to open the store. We'll contact you when it's open. So you can you can you can gauge how much you know you know demand you there mm-hmm. is for your product before you even think about having a storefront. That's that's like my takeaway is that people don't truly understand who the target market is because they didn't they didn't do the groundwork to actually ask if. Hey man, are you guys able to transition with me to this mm. channel? And just a final note, I, it just came up to mind. I was just thinking of like the competitive landscape of even ride sharing, right? Is that I remember with Grab, they asked two questions as to what are the two things that you just don't like about Uber? At the time, remember Uber had variable pricing. As in when you actually got into yeah. an Uber, it would actually run. And then when you get to the end of your trip, then you'd actually know how much it was. So Grab uh, had figured that, hey, we'll just put a fixed rate, even though they were more expensive, but Mm. it actually worked for them. Then the other option was that, okay, guys can actually use cash. So obviously, I think we um, did have a bit of a chat about that one startup called Handed.co.za. I'm not endorsing them. I've Mm -hmm. not used them, but let's just hope that they actually do work. But they do work on a cash on delivery option, right? Which I suppose actually uh, builds up that trust where people are thinking, okay, I, I can't really do that. Because they even like one merchants online where they want to take your card details over the, over the phone. And I'm like, that is so risky. I don't know where exactly you're writing those details. Yeah. I don't know where exactly they kept. And if, for example, there are other charges, now I have to go through the pain of canceling my card. But um, the other thing that uh, these guys grab also did is that to incentivize people in terms of using their cards is that they provided two discount codes. If you're using cash, they gave you like 5% off. 
But if you use your card, you'll get 10% off. So that actually changes the yeah. way that you um, move people's behavior from one channel to another. Because I think everybody likes a saving. And I think if, for instance, you can see a saving where you can actually use your card, you might be more interested to actually put down a bit of risk to actually be like, okay, I'm saving a bit more um, just using my card. And I think even the convenience of like, um, even before Mr. D had now switched over to this whole thing of automatic purchases, it was, it was quite ish irritating. I had to put in an OTP every single time I placed an order. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm going back to Uber. Yeah. So those are the things that I, I, I think yeah. um, slowly but surely change. And again, I think it also comes to the, the, the workforce that you've got. Of course, Uber, they're a multi-billion dollar company and they've got the smarts to actually figure these things out. Whilst we're hoping that obviously we've got to take lots with Naspers and and the like, and likes, we'll see as to how even Jumia plays out um, in the market. Yeah, but on that on that yeah. point, Dali, um, the one of yeah. discounting, right? I think, I think for everything, especially e-commerce, is that you know pricing needs like um, I, I think it was last week. Uh, talked yeah. about pricing, right? How how you price product, right? So you have the value of the product um, up top, and then you have the price, and then you have the cost of it, right? So when it comes to physical products, you price from the bottom up, right? So you take into account all your costs, and then yeah. you put a markup, right? Because perceived value is very difficult um, when you're dealing with a product because somebody can go look at another site with True. the exact same product, and then you know, you can use. So you need to price from the bottom up, right? When people don't understand how much it actually costs them to get the product from where they're getting it to the customer, it becomes a problem, right? You won't be able to apply those discounts to say, hey, if it's cash on <laughs> yeah. delivery, true, it's full true, price. True. If it's if we buy if you buy now, you can get ten percent. You can't do that variable pricing if you don't actually understand the cost price of the product itself. Yeah, but that also goes back to what Mash was saying that there's a lot there's a lot of biz dev that True. needs to happen in the background before uh, things can be can be can be fully yeah. operational. So just to end off, um, because it's almost midnight. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, what do you guys foresee in the space in the next few months? Right, so um, we're going moving into lockdown level three, um, which basically basically means um, may the best immune system win more than anything um, <laughs> but it also opens up the yeah. possibilities and the options for small businesses to to really do something special remarkable um, or just fundamental to shift themselves in the direction of building something that matters right so um, how do you guys see um, things changing shifting or moving um, in the next few months for small businesses and startups um, in this sort of e-commerce e-retail, e-groceries, e-food mm. um, space? Uh, just a quick one. It seems like this guy, Ubu Bele, might have dropped off. Is he uh, reconnecting on your side? Oh, no, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> I'm okay, still there. Let me just try <laughs> and re-add him in. Oh, man, this is such a quarantine podcast. We are <laughs> having technical difficulties <laughs> okay, let because me the one of the guys is gone from the call. Okay, cool, man. <laughs> Okay, uh, getting him back. Yeah. Okay, so we're back. Okay, we're back. Okay. So yeah. the question was, <laughs> I didn't die. 
I didn't oh, that die. was rain. Don't worry. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the the question was just, how do you look at the space or assess the space? Um, where do you see it going in the next few months? With lockdown level three, basically trade is open. Businesses have way more options. And you can start to navigate things, right? So what does business in e-retail, e-commerce, you know, e-food, e-delivery, whatever, look like? in social distancing, which is effectively where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, really, yeah. it's like, it, it, it would really be interesting to find out what you guys see um, it looking like for the next few months um, to a year. Mm. Well, f- for me, right, how, how I look at it is that there's going to be, currently there's a, there's a bundling, right? Everybody's selling anything that they can to anyone. What's going to happen over the next year to 18 months is you're going to see a, a whole lot of unbundling, right? A very, very, very niche products. You'll see, uh, you'll see more of a specific item being sold at one specific store instead of um, one, you know, buying that item at a generic big store, right? Um, think, about, think about baby clothes, right? More of those niche baby clothes... Um, retailers think about alcohol right more craft gin more you know um, blended whiskey type of things like very very niche right people are going to start understanding that niche is very is a very big market right and if you can focus on one particular product in a one particular market you can essentially carve out a big area of it for yourself so i think after this what's going to happen is that people are going to see that no man Screw this thing of selling everything under the sun. Let me just focus on my high-value item and let me just sell that item. Then you're going to see a lot of uh, small businesses popping up around uh, a niche environments. Everybody's selling just one item. So instead of you going to one place for all your items, people, more people are going to go to a particular place uh, for a specific item. Okay. Um, I was just thinking, because I got, obviously even when you talk on just... Um, a specific item. It sounds more like D D two C, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I think um, yeah. it also even touches on like right now, Sh- Shopify is arming the rebels, which is the small businesses where they can actually um, sell as small merchants without having to worry. Um, for anybody who doesn't know Shopify, it's an easy way to just start up a shop. You don't have to stress about how to set up um, your web server. You don't have to worry about how to handle demand and stuff like that. But I think on my side, I think it's on consumption. I, I don't know. As, in, as much as I think things will really improve, my concern is also for the economy and how people are going to be able to spend if they don't actually have any cash. So uh, that's just one thing that I'm actually just yeah. really curious about. Because on my side, at least I do have a bit of leverage when it comes to B2B. So that's a different um, area altogether. But B2C, that's where I'm just like a bit skeptical as in how things will really play out. Of course, I'm just hoping that all these delivery apps and stuff like that do improve their service. And my plea, if any of these same e-commerce or delivery apps are actually listening, use your own products, please. <laughs> as in, this is one of those things where I'm just like, guys, <laughs> the only way I think you can actually improve your products is by actually dog fooding it as well, uh, where you can't really... 
What does dog eat your own dog food? I know this reference. Yeah, you have to be eating your own dog food. As in, literally, as in, if, for example, food. the founders of Zulzi actually place an order through their app and they can see the frustrations that they face, I think they would actually be more, um, more likely to actually try and improve it. I'll be very surprised if they want to keep it the same. But it's the same thing even like with Woolworths and the likes. As in, if, for example, they're okay with getting their groceries a week later when they want it the following day, fine, so be it. But the thing is that I think quite a lot of them would want to see that things improve in the way that they actually go about business. And I, I don't know, maybe it's a bit of like the innovator's dilemma and they do need a bit of like a skunk work. So for instance, like with pick and pay, I don't know what is going to happen with bottles, but you can see that that's actually an interesting play where these guys were delivering alcohol and then they ended up uh, delivering um, groceries. And that could actually be the facilitation arm that Pick and Pay actually uses for the future ahead. So it's, it's, it's interesting times. I think um, the biggest uh, point would be to also just try and get more people learning on how to actually spend online and how um, they can actually protect themselves online. Because again, is that I think just through phishing and stuff like that, people will be concerned as to how am I actually being protected. But I can just talk from experience. If people dupe you and you use PayPal, you can dispute it, you can get your money back. If, for example, a person has used your card and it's a fraudulent charge, you can talk to the bank, get a form and reverse that money back. If it was a, like an EFT, I'm not too sure, I haven't tried reversing an EFT, but it does seem harder. Same thing if you're just paying cash, it also seems harder. And also with Bitcoin, I wouldn't recommend anybody paying in Bitcoin. Once it's gone, it's gone. So those are just my, my points on the e-commerce um, landscape. I'm hoping that things improve, but I think 2020 won't be that like, wow, yeah. I think 2021 will be a better year for, for us to actually see as to how things go. Thank you so much, guys. Um, really, really uh, meaningful conversation. I think um, anyone that's in you know, involved or interested in the space would learn a lot, um, not just from this conversation, but we've built a platform, right? So you can go to campus.africa um, and no, is it .africa? Yeah, it Am is I .africa. That wrong? It is .africa. Okay. It is, it yeah, is yeah, .africa. A bit too late on the night. <laughs> hey, it's, it's it, 10 minutes to midnight. You guys let me <laughs> get you guys out of bed <laughs> um, this to guy. record this podcast. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so... Go to Compass.Africa. Um, it's a really great platform. We've built an entire guide on how to um, start, run, and build um, an online store and be able to manage it as well, right? So um, we've tried to make sure that it's completely like broken down on how you can actually do it, um, why you should do it, um, you know, what the wins can be for you as well. And, and that's part of what I see um, as being the future as well. Um, not that anyone asked for my opinion, because um, I, th I think I'm just here to facilitate <laughs> the conversation. But um, I think it's going to be an interesting time where everyone wants to try and do this. And I think it's a good thing. Um, it's a great thing for adoption, because if you have way more people trying to create in those small niches, like Ububele says, I think those niche becomes the new big. Um, it's going to be so powerful. And being able to create value in different places for different people is always going to be something that is worth exploring. Um, so if you're really, really passionate about you know, creating value, um, which is really what it takes or what it means to be an entrepreneur, um, check out Compass.Africa and you should be able to build, to learn a lot from what we've built on there um, and, and try and take it into your own life and your own business. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, we're going to try and edit this so it works this time. 
um, and, and hope. <laughs> uh, when we started this this recording, Dali said, uh, "Hey, dude, um, is this one gonna be? Uh, is the editing gonna be good on this?" One? <laughs> you know, you need to turn, you need to put it in turning. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much. All right, peace. Cheers. All right, cheers. Stop the recording. Cool. All right.